0: and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Bill Eve a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Buffalo Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, joining you as we are each and every week here on Eve, getting you ready for the 2022 regular season. Of course, we are in week two of the preseason, and that is what this week's episode is going to talk about. I am flying solo, by the way, this week, giving my partner Jamie D'Amico a well-deserved week off but that does not mean I'm going to take the week off here because I want to give you my thoughts from week two of the preseason. The streak stays alive, folks. And more importantly, the Buffalo Bills once again showcased their high-octane offense while avoiding the injury bug. The Bills ran their preseason winning streak to 10 games thanks to a dominating 42 to 15 route of the Denver Broncos Saturday afternoon on Kids Day at Highmark Stadium. And today's episode of the Bill Eve podcast, we're going to break down what I liked and what I didn't like and give you some observations that I saw from week two of this NFL preseason game. To begin with, there was not much that I did not like from this game. I know there's a double negative out there, but at the end of the day, The Bills emerged victorious. Their dominating offense came out firing on all cylinders. Josh Allen put on a show in the one series he was on the field for. And more importantly, for the second straight preseason game, the Bills emerged relatively healthy in pulling out a 42 to 15 win over the Denver Broncos. I know myself and probably a lot of Bills fans had some consternations when Sean McDermott said that uh, his starters were going to play and see a lot of time on Saturday. There is nothing more frustrating than seeing a player suffer an injury in a game that doesn't count towards the standings. And as great as these preseason games are, and as fun as it was seeing a packed house on Kids' Day, the announced crowd was 69,000. And kudos to Bills Mafia for showing up big time for the second and final home game of the preseason rundown. But you don't want to see a player get hurt. We talked about. What happened with Jalen Hurts and Zach Wilson uh, suffering injuries in week one of the preseason? You know, the Bills dodged a bullet with Kyrie Elam, not missing significant time with his head injury in week one. You don't want to see your starters go down in a game like this. And when Sean McDermott said he was treating the second preseason game as the team's dress rehearsal for the upcoming season, I'm sure many Bills fans, I know I was, we were curious, how long would Allen and the majority of Buffalo starters play in week two? Again, we all know how immensely talented Josh Allen is. The last thing the Bills with Super Bowl dreams need to have happen is Allen be left in there longer, risking injury playing in a game that does not count in the standings. Well, thankfully, as far as Josh Allen was concerned, his action consisted of one series of totaling six plays, but boy, what he did with those six plays was quite impressive, leading the Bills to a touchdown on their opening possession halfway through the first quarter. Allen was brilliant as he always was, completing all three of his passes, including a highlight reel 28-yard touchdown strike to Gabriel Davis. Didn't it feel like Davis and Allen picked up exactly where they left off during the four-touchdown performance against the Chiefs last year in the divisional round? And what really impressed me about this throw was how Allen dealt with the pressure. There was pressure coming on both sides uh, from both guard positions. Allen felt the pressure, did a really crazy cool 360-degree spin in the pocket, and then found Davis down the left side of the end zone for a touchdown. His only touchdown of the game, of course, he was only on the field for one drive but he had a perfect 158.3 passer rating and the bills looked great in racking up a touchdown to overcome a three nothing early deficit. The bills had more than 300 yards of offense in the opening half alone. And this game was never in doubt. The bills offense was really unstoppable. No matter who was quarterback, Matt Barkley, case Keenum and Josh Allen combined for three incompletions on the day. And the bills scored touchdowns on their first six drives. The running game racked up 208 yards on 27 carries, averaging nearly 8 yards per rush. The quarterbacks, like I said before, 26 of 29, 302 passing yards, and two touchdowns for a collective team rating of 133. 13 receivers caught those 26 passes, and they averaged 11.6 yards per catch. Really impressive numbers for the Bills' wide receiving core. The Bills had 32 first downs. 14 on the ground and 18 through the year. And they faced a third down situation only three times, converting two of those third downs. Buffalo punted just once, which the punt was handled by Matt Hawk. Unfortunately, we were denied a little bit of drama with the punter-paloozer battle between Matt Hawk and Matt Areza. Um, But right now, that's something we'll talk to coming up later on in the pod, what the implications could be from that one punt in Week 2. But Sean McDermott and Bills fans have to be happy that the Bills finished with 510 net yards of offense, averaging 9.1 yards per play. Those are all gaudy numbers, and I know it's only the preseason, and Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos' head coach, rested most, if not all, of his starters but the Bills put an impressive performance on for their fans on Kids Day. So who and what else stood out from this latest exhibition victory, Buffalo's 10th straight in the preseason? I think one of the things that stands out to me is the slot receiver battle, and specifically when it comes down to Isaiah McKenzie's usage. Now heading into this game, it was pretty clear that Isaiah McKenzie was going to win the slot receiver job over Jamison Crowder. And that was confirmed as McKenzie was the only slot wideout who lined up and took a snap when Josh Allen was on the field for that first drive. When the Bills were in their three wide receiver set, otherwise known as their 11 personnel scheme, they were in that scene for five of the six snaps with Josh Allen. And McKenzie was out there all five times. He is clearly going to be the starting slot receiver. But rumors of Jamison Crowder's demise have been greatly exaggerated. And I think that Jamison Crowder is a lock to make the 53 man roster. Yes, Khalil Shakir has had a terrific training camp and preseason, but the Bills are not going to cut Crowder to give Shakir more reps. They don't want to overwhelm the rookie by asking him to do too much, especially early in his career. And Crowder is still a competent receiver and a very skilled route runner. And you saw, that when Stephon Diggs' day was over with, the Bills put a new wrinkle with their offense when they had Gabe Davis and McKenzie lined up on the outside and Jamison Crowder in the slot. That could be a sign of things to come for this offense and further proof that Crowder is not going anywhere and he is going to be on this roster when cuts are made in nine days. One guy who could not be on the roster when those cuts are made is one of their tight ends, O.J. Howard. Now, last week, I mentioned how it was a little bit concerning seeing him on the field so late in the fourth quarter against the Colts' second and third stringers. Well, this week, Dawson Knox was out to be with his family, and we want to pass on our condolences, of course, to the entire Knox family. Uh, Dawson's younger brother, Luke, passed away very suddenly this week at the age of 22, and Dawson was not with the team this week. That left Quinton Morris Tommy Sweeney, O.J. Howard, and even Reggie Gilliam, the fullback, to compete for reps at tight end. Well, what happened with those reps? You saw Quinton Morris, Tommy Sweeney, and Reggie Gilliam on the field with the first-team offense, and Howard only came on after backup Case Keenum took the field. Now Howard did have a really nice touchdown catch right before halftime, but to me, it's apparent that Buffalo's backup tight end role is up for grabs, and Howard and is fully guaranteed two million dollar base salary could be on the trading block, which means to me that Sweeney and Morris have exceeded expectations thus far in the preseason. Plus, Howard is not a big contributor on special teams, which really could pave the way for a trade. Meaning again, you could start the year with Knox as a starter and Sweeney and Morris as the backups. Speaking of starting roles, I think it's really fascinating to talk about the cornerback position. What happens if Trey White is not ready for week one? Well, it seems content that even though he had a pass interference penalty on the opening drive, Dane Jackson is going to be one of those two starters on the outside. But that means it's going to either going to be first round pick Kyrie Elam or sixth rounder Christian Benford, potentially battling for a starting spot opposite Dane Jackson if White is not ready to go to start the year. They've both impressed during training camp, They've both impressed during the first two preseason games, and I just think it's going to be a really fun battle to watch. When it comes to this cornerback battle, I think a lot can be made by looking at what happened against the Broncos. Kair Elam was matched up with Dane Jackson on the first drive, but then on the second drive, Christian Benford came into the game, replacing Elam and lining up with Jackson. Then, once all of Buffalo's starters had left the game, Elam and Benford played the rest of the first half's. Defensive snaps at the boundary cornerback role. I think it's going to be pretty fun to watch. Kair Elam versus Christian Benford. Can one of these two separate themselves to earn that second starting outside cornerback role, holding down the Ford until Trey White recovers from that ACL injury and is ready to make his presence known on this defense? Another area that Bills fans were really interested to see how the snaps would break down was the running back role. And really, I think the Bills have a good problem on their hand. All three of their backs balled out against the Broncos on Saturday, and the Bills have to really feel good about the versatility of this backfield. Devin Singletary, we know what he is. He's a reliable, consistent runner. He's a good pass blocker, and he can make people miss in the open field. He had 39 rushing yards on four carries versus the Broncos, averaging nearly 10 yards per carry. Zach Moss entered the game as the second back and he had two goal line touchdowns and a third wiped out by a penalty. He is clearly going to be the top back in goal line scenarios and I don't think he is going anywhere on this roster. James Cook, the rookie who was clearly third on the depth chart, he had a much better second game versus his debut. He showed off explosiveness, he showed off his decisiveness and his ability to make people miss in the open field he had 38 yards on four carries in his action in the second quarter. And again, a great improvement for Cook over his NFL debut. What does it all mean? I think we can still expect Singletary to be the lead back, but the Bills are not playing Moss just to try to boost his value for a trade. It seems like the work he's put in is paying off, and the Bills really like what he's done this offseason and this preseason, especially in short yardage and goal-to-go situations. He seems to be the goal line back. That Singletary and Cook have not proven to be so far so it really seems like this could be a three headed monster a three back committee backfield heading into the season when it comes to the running game the offensive line had a really solid performance on Saturday but one position I want to talk about in particular is the right tackle spot Bills fans We all thought that Spencer Brown was going to be the starter, but so far he's been ceding time to veteran David Quisenberry when it comes to the right tackle role. I think there's a couple of reasons for this, and I don't think Bill's fans should be worried that Spencer Brown is not going to be the starting right tackle when the season begins. While it might appear that Quisenberry has overtaken Brown on the depth chart, I think this is more a situation of where Brown needs time to work his way up to game speed and reclaim his starter's role. After all, Spencer Brown did miss a bunch of time at both the beginning of training camp while he was recovering from offseason back surgery. Quezenberry has not missed a practice yet this summer, which means he's had an opportunity to play with the ones more than Brown has. I think Brown's going to work his way back up and take over the number one right tackle role. And if anything, Bill's fans should feel good knowing that Quesenberry can produce when called upon at the right tackle role. What else stood out to me from yesterday's win over the Denver Broncos? Well, AJ Epinesa clearly has worked his way up the depth chart Where he's now to the point where he's behind Von Miller and Greg Rousseau, but I think he's ahead of Boogie Basham and Shaq Lawson. Epinesa had another great game versus the Broncos, getting pressure on the quarterback and breaking up a third down pass. Now, penalties ultimately canceled both of those plays, but Epinesa is making his presence felt and really has had a very solid preseason for the Bills. So has Shaq Lawson, but it seems pretty clear to me that he is entrenched in the fifth defensive end spot on this depth chart. He is making the most of his repetitions. He had a forced fumble, a tackle for a loss, and a QB knockdown versus the Broncos. But heading into week three, it's pretty clear you're going to have Von Miller and Gregory Rousseau as the number one pairing, and then A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham as the second pairing, and Shaq Lawson is down number five on on this depth chart for Buffalo's defensive ends. We mentioned the backs having a very solid performance against the Broncos. Well, two other running backs who have an uphill battle to make the roster had very good games. Raheem Blackshear, for the second time in a row, had a great game for the Buffalo Bills, and so did Duke Johnson. It's really a shame that it's a numbers game when it comes to making the 53-man roster, but it's going to be really hard for both these backs to find their way onto the Bills roster heading into 2022. Blackshear, who scored two touchdowns versus the Colts, averaged over 10 yards per carry in the win over the Broncos. He also caught two passes for 21 yards. So he has four touchdowns in two preseason games. It's looking less and less likely, though, that with the tape that Blackshear is putting out there, that Buffalo will be able to sneak him onto the practice squad if he is cut in 10 days. Duke Johnson, however, might have more of a chance to be on the practice squad. He's a veteran, more experienced in the league than Blackshear. He's also more of a known commodity than the undrafted rookie free agent. And Duke Johnson had 55 rushing yards on nine carries while again displaying that explosive ball carrying style. He's hard to bring down and he's really, you know, having a very solid preseason performance. So I don't know what Buffalo's going to do. I hope one of these two can find the way out of the practice squad. Blackshear, the undrafted rookie, having a great performance to start off the preseason. Duke Johnson more of a veteran, also putting good performances on tape. We talked about the offense having six touchdowns scored on its first six possessions. That did not give Bills fans much chance to watch the punting battle, the Matt versus Matt Puntapalooza play out. In fact, there was only one punt this week, and Matt Hawk had those honors, if you will. He had a 38-yard punt that was fielded for a fair catch inside the 20. His hang time was a little higher uh, than last week's effort, but to me it seems pretty clear that Matt Areza has won this punting job, this punt battle, especially for the fact that Sean McDermott sends out Matt Hawk and not Matt Areza when it came to the one punt. Areza has proven himself more than competent in holding for Tyler Bass, especially on all six of those touchdowns. He was perfect with his holds, and Bass booted those through the uprights successfully. So to me, I'm going to call this Puntapalooza over with Matt Areza will be the starting punter when the bills begin their regular season, September 8th against the Los Angeles Rams. Now, who else impressed me from the game against the Denver Broncos? I thought it was an awesome bounce back performance for Case Keenum, who showed why he was brought in as Buffalo's backup quarterback. He himself described his performance against the Colts in week one as uncharacteristic. Well, he reverted back to his great ways in week two, 16 of 18 throwing the ball, passing for 192 yards and one touchdown with no interceptions, a stark contrast to the three turnovers he had in the week one win over the Colts. Case Keenum really, I think what we need to look at when it comes to his performance is who he was playing with. In week one, he had almost exclusive time with Buffalo's backups on the offensive line and at the skill positions, which could explain a little bit of his struggles. But on Saturday, he was impressive playing behind Buffalo's starting offensive line and with Buffalo's mostly starting skill position players. He's proven himself to be a very capable backup, a very competent backup. And I think Bill's fans should feel confident that if anything happens, To Josh Allen, Case Keenum is going to come in there and at least keep the ship afloat as Buffalo's backup quarterback. His drives on Saturday, he had an eight-play 80-yard drive for a touchdown and then a nine-play 78-yard drive and a 10-play 80-yard drive. Really impressive performances, sustained offensive success. Case Keenum is the man, and he bounced back quite nicely from a week one fiasco, if you will, in the preseason couple other quick hitters that stood out to me from week two. Uh, Brandon Bryant, another numbers guy, has been a very solid member of the defensive line. He played well against the Broncos, pulling up a big third down tackle and a pass pressure on a third down play, forcing an incompletion early in the game. Maybe the Bills can sneak him onto the practice squad, but it's going to be hard with Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, and Jordan Phillips for Bryant to make the roster. But he's making a good case for himself. At defensive tackle, Khalil Shakir and Isaiah Hodgins both had very solid games in the wide receiver role. Uh, Shakir led all receivers with 59 yards on three catches, averaging 19.7 yards a catch. His role is no doubt on this team. Uh, He's going to make the team for sure. Isaiah Hodgins, I think, is really doing his best to get some separation between himself and Jake Kumaro in the wide receiver depth chart. He had another big play effort three catches for 28 yards on the opening drive. And while he's still fighting for a roster spot, I think the contributions he's making on special teams is really going to prove to be the difference when it comes to whether he makes the roster or Jake Kumaro makes the 53-man roster. A couple of linebackers had really solid performances. Baylin Spector is going to make it very hard for the Bills to cut him, but he had a game-high seven tackles along with Andre Smith, who had seven tackles and a tackle for a loss. Eli Anku had Buffalo's lone sack in the day, a 19 yard loss, and he added a big quarterback hurry. He had a solid performance as did safety Jaquan Johnson, who was really just, you watch the game. Jaquan Johnson was all over the field. He finished with five tackles. He had a physical style to his game. He always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. He had a very solid performance for Buffalo in the safety position. Now, It's hard for me to get negative on this podcast because the Bills played so well in routing the Denver Broncos, but there have to be a couple of negatives to come up with. And here's what I've got for you, believe listeners. Buffalo's starting defense is going to get my first question mark of this podcast. The Bills came out of the gate flat on defense, and they were pretty rusty, in my opinion, against journeyman quarterback Josh Johnson. In particular, Linebackers Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds both failed to come up with tackles on the opening drive as the Broncos marched 64 yards in 12 plays to a field goal on their opening drive. Quarterback Dane Jackson also had a costly pass interference penalty on the drive. It would be the Broncos' only lead of the game. Bills ceded only 90 yards of offense to the Broncos in the first half. 61 of those came on that opening drive against Buffalo's key starters. So to me... Buffalo's starting defense gets my first thumb down, if you will, from week two of the preseason. Another negative were the penalties committed by Buffalo's starting cornerbacks. I mentioned that Dane Jackson had that big pass interference penalty. Christian Benford had an illegal contact penalty called on him. And Kair Elam had a face mask penalty. These are penalties that are not going to make head coach Sean McDermott happy or pleased with how his three cornerbacks who are vying for a crucial starting role on this defense, how they fared committing those penalties against the Broncos. Another area of a negativity I want to get to is Buffalo's kick coverage. Now, Tyler Bass is pretty clear that the Bills strategy this year with their kickoff guy is they want the teams to be returning the ball and not taking the touchback. Well, six of Tyler Bass's seven kickoffs, were returned by the Broncos. Many landed inside the five-yard line, so kudos to Tyler Bass. But when the Broncos did run back the kickoffs, they were quite successful, averaging nearly 27 yards on their six runbacks. And this is a point I want to get to about the 53-man roster. While many Bills fans are eager to cast aside special teams aces like Taiwan Jones or Tyler Maticiewicz, and they want to push them to the side for one of the preseason darlings, it's no coincidence that Buffalo's kickoff coverage suffered big time when Jones, Madikiewicz, and even Saran Neal were not on the field. That, to me, shows why Buffalo prioritizes Jones and Madikiewicz. It means everything to the field position game, and I think those two are going to make the roster, given their prowess on special teams. The last negative, the penalties, especially at critical times in the game. Buffalo was flagged eight times, For 68 yards, coming on the heels of nine penalties for 90 yards in their preseason opener. That is simply too many flags and too many penalties. The Bills need to tighten things up and find a way to get off the field. A couple of those penalties kept the Broncos on the field and kept their drives alive on offense when Buffalo made crucial mistakes on third down scenarios. The Bills need to tighten up their penalties, and they'll have every opportunity to do that coming up in week three of the preseason. Well, folks, those are my thoughts on week two, what I liked and what I didn't like from Buffalo's 42-15 win over the Denver Broncos. I want to hear from you. What did you like, what impressed you, and what concerned you from week two of the preseason? Get involved with me on Twitter. I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on this story when it runs on buffalorumblings.com. I appreciate you listening to this week's episode of Believe a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. We'll be back next weekend talking more Buffalo Bills football.